Alrighty, well, welcome to the White Oak Houston podcast. Uh, this is Pastor John at White Oak Baptist Church with... This is James Yandel. I'm excited to do one of these, man. Yeah, so um, uh, one of the things that we like to do on uh, this podcast is, you know, normal stuff on the, the White Oak Houston podcast is like our sermon content, but um, we like to sit down talk about things that we see as being really um, important and necessary and talk about them in a conversational manner together. Um, and a big part of this is really just kind of opening up conversations that like we're having together um, and kind of putting that word out there uh, because we think that it's helpful for all of us to have this conversation together. And so uh, the topic we're talking about today is something that I know is very kind of personal um, and deep for both James and I, not just in our own personal experience, but even in kind of what we're experiencing here in our generation in the church and uh, I don't know if we're going to title it this, but at least for now, I've given it the title of The Great Spiritual Father Crisis. The dun, great, dun, dun. Yeah, dun, 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 yeah. The Great Spiritual Father Crisis, which um, I know might sound kind of dramatic, but I think as we're going to talk about today, um, I think it is a dramatic thing. I want to read something real quick out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I actually read this this week, and it's kind of one of the things that kind of put this on my heart. Um, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and if you know anything about the church in Corinth, it's like, you know, it's like the most messed up church in the Bible. A lot of, a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, if you read the first Corinthians, you're like, man, you think your church is bad. Like, this church had a lot of big issues. But it's interesting, because in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul actually kind of opens up um, really maybe one of the main reasons why they're having so many of these issues. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 14, he says, um, I do not write these things to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. And um, as I read that this week, it kind of reminded me, James, of one of the conversations that we often have about um, kind of the importance of uh, spiritual fathers in our life and in our generation, just the vast lack of men who um, are leading other people and available to shepherd other people because most people can't even seem to kind of get their own life um, in order. And so uh, just to build that just a little more, I see a lot of young men who have no guidance in life. They have no guidance. They're kind of aimless um, and they don't have anyone that can kind of come alongside them and call them out when they need it or tell them, like, this is how you make your marriage work. This is how you serve in your church. Mm-hmm. And then I also see a lot of women who have this longing to be married to a man who, if they're a Christian woman, who's um, able to lead them spiritually and be a father and, and raise the children well. And then also women who are married to guys that, you know, are not taking care of them or maybe even abusing them in certain situations. Um, I just see, we just see all across the board um, these different situations in which there needs to be a strong, godly, older man that can come along and care enough to like enter into your life and help. But we just don't see a lot of that. And so what, what are some of your thoughts on that? And kind of what are you seeing as you look out in the church and the culture at large? Yeah, I want to hit on that passage that you read. And Paul really hit it on the nail. He said, you've got a lot of uh, guides, but not many spiritual fathers. And I think that these days, um, in our generation, we, we, we don't have spiritual fathers. And, and I see a spiritual father as someone who, excuse me, is physically present in someone's life, who has the ability 
to comment authoritatively on someone else's life. And so mm. there's this like relationship between the spiritual father and the person that they're mentoring in which the father is, is present and able to like comment and like guide them through life, but also in which the person being mentored receives that and hears that and like follows that advice. And I think what we're seeing these days is we've got a lot of like peer advice happening. We've got a lot of mm. people who are like friends, like coming on friends' lives and stuff, and we're all sort of in it together. Uh, but we can't really pinpoint someone who has authority to comment on our life and to, to, to call things out when they need to be called out. And so I, I definitely see that sort of like chasm happening in which we have less and less spiritual fathers. And, and, and I say a spiritual father is someone who's physically present. And mm. I think we've noticed in our own lives just that um, there's not a lot of older men to look yeah. up to these days, especially when it comes to... Um, being a spiritual father, someone in the church that we can look up to. I think mm. we just see like a lot of people, as they get older, they sort of like step out or, or bow out or, or something happens and they just don't have that passion. So who do we look up to? I mean, I think that's why we allow our friends um, to sort of comment on our life, but just because we, we just don't have that father, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny. I think, um, you know, we've often talked about, you know, being younger guys who are pastors that sometimes you kind of wish some... <clears throat> wise older guy is going to walk through that door and like put his arm around you and say, you know, I'll show you how to do this, you know? (laughs) And, um, there's just not a lot of that, you know? And, um, I know maybe, you know, in some very, very large churches, maybe there's a lot of that, but I know a lot of the guys I talk to, especially like church planners, like younger guys, you know, the average local neighborhood church does not have a bunch of those guys, Right. Um, there, there might even be some young guys that seem to have some potential, you know, in the yeah. faith, but in terms of developing that, it's not very common. And so, um, and I, I think this also speaks to like just our, our country in general. Um, I was listening to kind of Mark Driscoll talk about this. Um, and he was talking about how like in like the average, like show today, like on TV, it's like the dumbest guy is the dad, like mm. the dad is the idiot, you know? And the kid is, like, somehow the smartest person on the show. And it really just shows kind of how we don't, like, value fathers as much. Um, and there's obviously a, a, a biological crisis in terms of fatherhood in our right. country, you know, where, like, a, a lot of kids grow up in broken homes. I grew up in a broken home. Um, there's a lot of issues with that and dads that, like, bail on their families or leave or, or even dads that are present. Like, they're not very um, devoted to their kids or they don't really help develop them in their walk with the Lord. They just kind of view it as, like, their own thing. And so there's a crisis there, but I think what we're saying is that crisis is really building within the church. And if, unless there's a, a turning of the tide in our generation, our generation is going to produce the same thing, where it's going to be a bunch of guys, even if they're walking with the Lord, they're not really bringing anybody with them. Oftentimes not even their own family, right? And so just real quick, I, I want to give some thoughts, and I'll turn it over to you. I love how you're talking about kind of what is a spiritual father. And I think, I think a spiritual father is someone who is um, very godly, and somebody who I know we talk a lot, they have their own life in order at least enough to where they can help somebody else. I think so many guys, like, I don't know what it is, probably because they don't have a spiritual father or anyone that's, like, developing them. Um, they, they can't get their own money, their own marriage. Like, they always are just dealing with their own problems always, right? And they just can't fix the normal things. They can't get stability in their marriage. They can't build a prayer life that's consistent. Um, you know, they, they can't get the money situation under control. They can't budget. Um, you know, they can't, they can't keep their life from always having all these crises, right? And so because they're always trying to fix their own life, they're not really able to help anybody beyond themselves. And so a spiritual father is not a perfect man. He's got issues, but he's able to at least manage the basic things of life to an extent to where he has time to volunteer his time 
to lean into other men, to serve in the church, to teach in the church, to do those things. So he's got his own life under order. And then also, like I said, he's got this passion to actually do it. He wants to have a legacy beyond himself and beyond his own life. Like he wants to help other people that are there. Um, he's looking for the single mom who um, might be having some issues. You know, he's, he's looking for the husband in the church who's not shepherding his family well and leaning into him and helping him figure that out. Uh, I think also um, the main thing is these guys have to be, like we talked about, they have to be rooted for a long enough period of time. I think growing up, I had some, some really good spiritual mentors at different periods of my life, but it was like for a couple of years here, a couple of years there. And, you know, obviously I know different life situations happen and, and people move and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like, and, and, you know, the way it's supposed to be is like there's supposed to be a long-term relationship. Like Paul talks about here, he's not even with the church, but he's still writing to them. He's still discipling them. He still cares about what's going on. And he says, I've become your father in Christ because you didn't have anybody else, right? So I think they've got to be rooted for a long enough uh, time to develop you. I think they've got to be consistent for decades in their church. I mean, they've, got to, they've almost got to build like a brand of like, if you need someone to help you, that guy's going to be there. Like, he can help disciple you and figure that out. So can, can, I, just, yeah. can I just interject? I mean, the, the guy that you're picturing, I feel like in our generation, just feels like such a anomaly you know mm-hmm. you're talking about having decades of impact you know like yeah, the average yeah. tenure at someone at their job is like 1.5 years or something like that <laughs> you know you have to fact check me on that but it's just so short you know and it's so yeah. countercultural. so how 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 are we going to stem that tide like like you said like maybe we don't have spiritual fathers but how do we become that to other people even if our generation was lost to it how do we become that how do we break the cultural tide yeah well i, I think kind of like like you're saying, I think really um, the way that we do it is I think it begins by wanting it. I think an aspiration for it. And honestly, I just believe that if we are developing our manhood um, biblically, I think this will happen. I think one of the big problems is a lot of guys out there, um, they'll, they will say that men and women are different and that men have a unique role. And yet, like, like they would theologically believe that. But they don't do anything in their life to differentiate themselves from a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, like they, they, they might believe it theologically, but practically they don't take up any additional responsibilities than their wife does or another woman in the church. And so um, I, I believe that what it has to, to be is basically men going to the scriptures and saying, okay, I've been created by God as a man, right? What does that mean I need to do per the scriptures? And I think, you know, we look at things like elders and deacons, which we'll talk in a moment, um, but I think that it's, it's really just the concept of like leadership and protecting those around you and caring for those around you beyond yourself. I think that childhood is when you care about yourself. Childhood is when you're getting your education underway and all that kind of stuff. Manhood or adulthood is when you've learned enough and you're mature enough to where you've got your own life, you know, at least under wraps to some degree, and now you're able to help other people. That's why you have children in adulthood, right? Because now you're taking care of other people, and I think that applies spiritually as well. So. I think what it really calls men to do, I think the way we stem the tide, is basically we, um, we commit to going to the scriptures, finding out what it means to, to be a man and what God's calling us to do, and not just assume that just because we feel close to God, that that means that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, like, like the scriptures are really clear. And so, but real quick, I want to ask you a question. Um, you know, I know some people are going to listen to this and they're going to think like, you know, this is so like male-centric and focused on guys, um, you know... <laughs> Biblically speaking, like, what is the difference, do you think, in terms of an adulthood between a man and a woman? And maybe what are some of the different callings that we believe men have biblically that maybe women don't as much? Well, I mean, 
there, there are calls all throughout the Bible, and there are calls that are for both men and for women, and there are calls that are just for women, and there are calls that are just for men. And so just going throughout the Bible, you, you see that there's just this this plethora of calls, and I think. So, so a call for both men and women is to serve in the church, to be active, to be present in the life of your family, in the life of your church. Um, but the Bible does call men into... Uh, into leadership to be mm. to be leaders of their family to be leaders in their church and I think the mm. the comment of the Bible or the critique of the Bible on men all throughout is this abdication you know mm. it's just this absent you know like you're talking about the sitcoms the absent father the deadbeat father mm. um, and, and just what I've seen personally uh, and some people who have sort of um, come to church I've seen a lot of times you have um, the wife or, or, or the woman in the relationship is very spiritually mature. Like she, she knows a lot about <laughs> yeah. the Bible and she, she's been exposed to a lot more church maybe than he has. Um, and so it feels as if she's sort of leading, leading the charge in their relationship, leading them toward spirituality, leading them toward the church. And, and the guy's just sort of being Drug dragged, along. dragged yeah. along, yeah. you know? And I just feel like that, that, like, like, like that, that is so messed up. Yeah. But it, it's so normal that we get used to it, and we excuse his behavior by just saying, "Well, he doesn't get it," or you know, whatever. But in in reality, especially being a guy, I can relate to this a lot. Sometimes guys need a you know a kick in the pants. <laughs> yeah. You know, like sometimes you know we we're giving like tender love, uh, but we need like tough love. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times with guys, like if you sit them down, a woman oftentimes will not respond well to that. But uh, but the right man like will and so just real quick um, so so in our, in our context I think I think we've noticed some of this as well um, and, and I want to say like I think a lot of things that we think like honestly I know we have compassion for ourselves and others who fail in these areas because like I think a lot of men just didn't have spiritual fathers so they yeah. don't get it right they don't they don't get it but hopefully through this conversation like we can help them to get it right uh, we can all begin to aspire to the right thing but why do you think in our day and age specifically in the church. Why do young men not aspire to this? Like, like why, why is the average, like, biblically speaking, like, like the offices God has given us are elders and deacons, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but, like, why, don't, why aren't men dying to become these things? Why does it feel like we're having to like, go out and, like, find people and recruit people to be leaders in the church, to be leaders beyond themselves? Why does the average young guy in the church not aspire to these things, do you think? Well, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying. They didn't have spiritual fathers and people who they could aspire to. And mm-hmm. so if you don't have an image of what you can aspire to, then you're going to try to replace that with something else. And so I do think in our culture, um, you know, we've got guys our age who, who are aspiring to things, um, but there are things that are sort of outside the big biblical scope of what God is doing, you know, mm-hmm. like elders, deacons, and different things like that. I think they're aspiring to be, you know, business gurus because there's there's a lot of business guys out there so they aspire uh, to that um but i think it also just generally goes with our generation there's a lot of aimlessness like just people who are just sort of limping along from thing to thing and then you you kind of check in with them year after year and they're just stagnant you know Mm. and and i think if they did aspire to this that would put them on the right track and the other thing i was going to say is um i think in order to be a spiritual father you have to learn how to be a spiritual son first like in Mm. order to have authority you have to first learn how to sit under authority Mm -hmm. and i think that's also something that our generation all of us sort of struggle with on some different levels is like people in our generation it's hard for for guys our age to sit under someone else's authority and to to really get outside of yourself and say i have something to learn here because Mm. we all think we have it figured out right We, we all think we have it figured out and so we don't want other people to comment 
in our, on our lives, you know? So I think that's, that's one of the big things for me is like, mm. uh, we need to learn how to be able to sit under someone else's authority and allow someone to comment on our life. And, and then that will help us to be raised up to be good spiritual fathers. That's good. Yeah. I, I think another thing in terms of kind of why a lot of maybe young men don't aspire to this, I think, and we've talked about this a lot. I think one of the things that's lacking in our days um, is biblical literacy and I think, just like you were saying, I think a lot of people, they don't really know the Bible that well. And so I think even a lot of guys in the church, just like you're saying, they're, they're modeling themselves after what they've seen or the lack thereof, mm-hmm. you know? And not so much saying, you know, maybe, there, maybe I was raised, you know, incorrectly, or maybe there were some deficiencies in that. Let me go to the scriptures and see, let me go to the New Testament and see, kind of what I should be aspiring to and what I should be giving my life to. Because I think if you were to, to do that and you're going through the New Testament and you're just reading it and you're reading like the Great Commission, which is go make disciples, and you're reading, I mean, Paul has so much fatherly language all yeah. throughout the New Testament when he's writing these churches and caring for them and developing them. And then he's teaching guys like Timothy and Titus and the guys he's sending out to do that as well, to appoint elders, to develop them, to, to literally protect the flock, you know, as a common word. I think it's like in First Peter or First Second Peter, yeah. Um, but it's this idea that, like, um, I just think people don't really know. They're not aware, you know, and, and they've got the concept that I'm supposed to love Jesus. They, they know that, you know, and they know that I'm supposed to, like, not do sins, <laughs> you know, I'm not supposed to sin, you know, but they don't have this concept of, you know, like, I'm supposed to really be going beyond myself and helping people and taking care of people, and not just random good deeds, but, like, relationships like Paul to Timothy, like Timothy to his church. I mean, like, to have these long relationships where literally, like, you're you're almost, in a sense, have adopted children within the church who look to you for guidance in their life, and they know that, you know, you're not perfect, but they can come to you, and you will care for them, and you will walk with them, and you will give them the guidance that they need. I think specifically, women and children really need that. And men need that in the sense of, like, we feel like we can take care of ourselves, but if we don't have that guidance, like you said, we become aimless, you know? So whereas maybe a woman at times can feel, you know, kind of like maybe have a lack of confidence, I think men just, you know, just are completely aimless. So mm. um, I think that's one of the reasons why young men don't pursue. I just don't think they know the biblical narrative in terms of that. So, but, um, you know, man, if, if you were to, if you were listening to this and you're like, okay, so, so, you know, I think that's a really biblical thing. I think it's compelling. I think Paul in 1 Corinthians is kind of giving us some insight into this. I want to become a spiritual father. How do I do that? What are some ways that young men in the church, um, you know, there's a huge need. How can they rise up and become spiritual fathers um, for their family and for their church? Yeah, well, what I love about the Bible is that, you know, it does provide channels. You know, it provides channels to the form of like, church membership and through the office of deacon and through the office of elder. And so um, the first thing I was going to say is that the, the, the title doesn't make the man. And so, yeah. like, you know, a lot of people may think that, you know, I become a deacon or an elder or whatever, and then I become this like super Christian or whatever. But I, I really think it's developmental process over time. And so I think it starts with membership. I think it starts with really understanding what does it mean for me to be an active member of a New Testament church. You know, I mean, I, I think that it's like you're physically present, you're willing to serve. Like like you said, you're looking beyond yourself and the lives of pe- other people, and you're trying to get your life in order 
for the sake of other people, yes. you know, and I'm not, not just so you have a better life. Yeah, exactly. That's moralism. We're yeah. not talking. We're yeah. talking love here. Yeah. Love Ooh. is getting Oof. your life in order for the yeah. sake of other people. And if I don't do that, then I don't love other people. I mean, that's just beyond yeah. the real. Yeah. So that's number one. It's like being physically present in a New Testament church, not hypothetical Christianity, mm. right? Where you're, you're apart from a church. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. That's a stupid statement stupid, ever. Yeah. Um, but Shut uh, up. and then <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, but then moving beyond that from membership and aspiring to the office yeah. of of deacon and, and what i love about that you talk about roles of, of men and women i think that's a role that both men and women can mm-hmm. aspire to and i think it's the most beautiful thing when when a husband and a wife aspire to to enter into that together and mm-hmm. so uh, talk to us a little bit about the office of of deacon and aspiring mm-hmm. to that and how does that relate to this man i, I think it you know, it's interesting because, you know, we, in the scriptures, it talks about how, like, you know, in Christ, you know, like, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. Right. And so it kind of leaves, like, a, like a level playing field. But then at the same time, it literally calls out a group of people within the church called deacons and says that these people are set apart for the purpose of, like, servant leading the church. And that's interesting. And so I, I think just what it shows us is exactly what we're talking about, is that like within a church, there should be people, um, and in this case, we're talking about men right now, there should be men who don't just see themselves as an everyday, ordinary, faithful part of the church, but who see themselves as set apart to lead in an official capacity, right? And so deaconship means that literally you are serving in a specific role in the church, but you're leading it yourself. You know, like you're, you're set to do this, and you're also pulling other people into that role of service. Um, and then even, you know, going beyond that, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second with, uh, with elders, um, I think it's the same thing as well. I think that there are men that are called and set apart um, to lead the church, to protect the church. The word elder also means like overseer, to just generally oversee it. Um, and it gives a lot of qualifications for who that guy's supposed to be, but also what he's supposed to do in terms of like shepherding the flock and protecting the flock. Like, I mean, the average guy in the church, I don't feel like goes to bed at night worried about the faith of everyone else in his church, mm, you know? Yeah. And, and, and let's be honest, even as pastors, sometimes, sometimes we don't do that that much, you know? And so it's like, it's really a massive call to see yourself almost as like a tribal leader in a sense that, that like cares for your people. Mm-hmm. Not, not the guy that's abused the power, not the guy that's using his power to gain authority or fame or whatever, but who really wants to make sure that everybody is okay. And so I think that the role of, of deacon and elder, like you said, are, are really good channels that clearly get us in the direction of becoming a spiritual father. And by spiritual father, like I said, all we mean is somebody who says, I love, I love a group of people so much that I want to take care of them. I want to protect them, and I want to be available to help. I don't want there to be a bunch of young guys in the church who are aimless and have no one to turn to. I don't want there to be a bunch of like single moms struggling in the church who don't know someone who they can go to to get help and advice and you know financial advice, all these kinds of things. You want there to be someone who clearly, like, if I have a problem in the church, I can go to that person. Not just because he's the pastor on staff, you know, but because this guy, he's, he's a lay leader in the church, but he's so godly, he's so consistent, he's so loving that I know if I go to him, he'll care for me. Like, I know if I get to that guy, he'll help me. And so I think that we need those guys to rise up in this generation because if we're not intentional about it, it will not happen because this culture is not conditioning us to care about anyone else but ourselves. And the mm-hmm. church must be the countercultural thing. Let me ask you this real quick. What would you say to someone who says, I don't need the title to do that? 
I hate when people say that. That <laughs> ticks me do. off so much. Push I, your buttons I, I, a little bit. Yeah, I, I hate people say that because let me tell you why. Um, God gave us the title, okay? And so that's like saying that you're more humble than God is, right? <laughs> God created deacons. God created the office of elder. God put it in His Word. You know, it's been preached by by faithful preachers throughout the throughout the generations, and so. Um, if you say, and once again, like I said, to me that often is just someone. Here's the thing: when someone says I don't want the, the title, you know what they really don't want? The accountability. That's what they don't want. It's not the title; it's the accountability. Because once you have a title, you know you can't just be a deacon for a month and kind of bail out of it, right? Like you know, because that looks bad on you, right? right? And so, really, oftentimes what they don't want is they don't want the accountability because they want to be able to serve and not serve. And they just flip it on, flip it off, you know? Mm. Whereas if you're seen as a deacon of the church, and if we put you before the church on that stage and say you're a deacon, and then you start flaking off, then you know that looks really bad on you, right? And so, I just think that, and last thing I'll say, I'm sure some people say that in a genuine way, but once again, I just think it's like biblical ignorance. I just think they don't, they've never thought, no one's ever told them, like, it's in the Bible for a reason. And so God gave us the office. And so, you know, if God gave us the office and if God like was speaking through Paul to Timothy and telling him to appoint elders and deacons, like God was telling him to give people this title. And so I think the title creates accountability. So yeah. um, any final thoughts, man? I know this is something that's like really kind of deep for both of us. Like I think even, I think in a lot of ways we sense this personally where it's like, there just feels like there's not many people that, that we can go to. And, it, and it's our hope that, you know, we can create something here where, like I said, we don't have men that are perfect, but we have men who, like, a woman knows she can go to if her husband is abusing her, right, um, or doing something he shouldn't be doing, or even for a woman who wants a model of, of what she should be wanting in a husband, or a young man who is, says, man, I'm just aimless in life, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not getting any attraction, I, I, how do I find a wife, like, how do I do these things, that they know there's men they can beeline that can help them get where they want to go in life and fulfill their calling. Yeah, I would just um, have a very personal and heartfelt appeal to the 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, whoever, just to the man. This is my appeal to you, men, to aspire to more, to aspire to more, to aspire to godly offices and to aspire to be... Uh, people who reflect Christ in this society. I think that's what we need so powerfully. And like I said, not hypothetically, but real, like in your church, mm. in your church, aspire to that, uh, looking beyond yourself for the sake of others. I think the height of spiritual maturity is not theological knowledge. No. It's it's acting in love for love. other people. It's an overflow of love that manifests itself in in good works in the church and a commitment to, um, to those things. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think... I think for us, really, this is just a call to, like, for really any guy that hears this to really consider, um, you know, kind of what he's doing and, like, does he really believe the things that he says? You know, so often I'll talk to a guy who's, like, a follower of Jesus, and it, I just don't get when they're like, I'm like, so where are you serving? Like, like where are you going to church and where are you serving? And, and they act like that's a hard questions to answer, mm-hmm. you know? I think... Um, especially a lot of guys that might have were raised in the church, maybe got saved when they were like in high school and like had a kind of a powerful experience, but kind of faded off. I just see so many guys fading off. They don't finish well. They start strong, but they don't finish well. And so like, even like some of the men, like honestly that I grew up, you know, admiring, you know, it's like they don't even go to church anymore, you know, or they, you know, it's like, and and, and I almost like as if like maybe like they've graduated beyond that point, you know? 
um, or, or maybe even guys that maybe you admired, but like they never knew what their next step was, you know, and so they've been the same place forever. So I just think it's a call for young men to like watch out for the enemy's tactic of, of directing us from what he cares about and the danger of assuming that, that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. So I, I think that um, based upon this podcast, I just feel like what we're calling for is for like every single man, literally every man in the church to like ask himself, how can I become a spiritual father and take care of people beyond myself and disciple men and disciple women and, and be a part of creating disciples who create other disciples in the long run, like investing in people. So, um, well, hey man, thanks for being on this podcast with me. As always, uh, if you have any questions uh, or things you'd like us to talk about, you can always uh, email them to info at net. But uh, thanks for checking this out.